0: In today's episode, we are kicking off a new series every Wednesday in the month of April for Child Abuse Awareness. There are many things we talk about raising awareness in the coming months. One thing I believe we don't talk enough about is that child abuse still affects us every day. I'm also guilty of not doing my share. This is Child Abuse Awareness Month, and I would like to add to the Awareness Palette by presenting to you the remaining Wednesdays in the month of April of some things I experienced as victim, survivor, and now a supporter. Today, we are starting with some stats before moving into some personal experiences of my own as a child. The information I'm sharing with you comes mostly from Child Trends, the nation's leading research organization in 38 states, focused exclusively on improving the lives of children and youth, especially those who are most vulnerable. They have been around for at least 40 years. I'll leave a link to their site in the show notes. Now, according to Child Trends, that's T-R-E-N-D-S, I understand sometimes my dialect makes it hard for you to understand what I'm saying. But I am saying according to child trends, while legal definitions of child maltreatment vary by state, four types are generally recognized. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, including educational neglect, medical neglect and other forms, and emotional maltreatment. In the national statistical system that tracks child maltreatment, children are counted as victims if an investigation by a state child welfare agency clarifies their case as either substantiated or indicated child maltreatment. Substantiated cases are those in which an allegation of maltreatment or risk of maltreatment was supported or founded according to state law or policy. Indicated treat cases are those in which an allegation of maltreatment or risk of maltreatment could not be substantiated. But there was reason to suspect maltreatment or the risk of maltreatment. Young children experience higher rates of maltreatment than older children. In 2017, children three and younger had a maltreatment rate of 15 per 1,000 compared with 10 per 1,000 for children ages four to seven eight per 1,000 for ages 8 to 11, seven per 1,000 for ages 12 to 15, and five per 1,000 for children ages 16 to 17. There are numerous factors involved, and we'll get to those now, including poverty and institutional biases, non-Hispanic Black American Indian, or Alaska Native, and multiple-race children have higher rates of reported child maltreatment than other children. In 2017, the reported maltreatment rate for non-Hispanic Black children was 14 per 1,000 children, 14 per 1,000 for American Indian and Alaska Native children, and 11 per 1,000 for multiple-race children. This compares with rates of 9 for non-Hispanic Pacific Islander children, 8 for Hispanic children, 8 for non-Hispanic white children, and 2 for non-Hispanic Asian children. Now, I want to include estimates for white, black, American Indian, Alaskan, Native, and Asian Pacific Islander youth in this report. Do not include Hispanic youth. Hispanic children and youth may be of any race. Those were just some stats I wanted to share with you all. I'll share the link to child trends in the show notes. Now we're going to get to some of the things I experienced as a child. As a child, I had my share of maltreatment or abuse as most call it. I'm the eldest of four girls. The fourth child did not receive the same treatment as the other two sisters after me because she came from my father's second marriage. So she was protected from a lot of things we went through as children, and I'm so glad she was. I'm not sure how I would have acted if I knew she was being mistreated. As I digress, I suffered from emotional abuse from being so small being called all types of names, which I've put into a book that will be released released later this year. The reasoning behind a lot of people is that physical wounds heal quick, but emotional wounds last a lifetime. All I know is pain is pain no matter what form it comes in. The words spewed from mostly my relatives cut the worst. For example, girl, you so po if you don't eat the wind will take you off somewhere. And how about this one? You ain't pretty till you fat. That was the most used at me. Parents, please be very mindful with how you even joke with your children about certain things. Not just parents, any adult. You never really know how it affects them until it's too late sometimes. And by then it is so hard to reach them because they get to the point they refuse to trust you. Physical abuse. I remember the worst at the age of 15. And I'm only going to share bits and pieces of my experiences here because I'm writing most everything else in a book. At the age of 15, I was strangled and beaten by a family member. When my mother found out about it, she was enraged. I remember she toggled back and forth with us in the car going to the family member's house to shoot him and to the police station. Finally, after driving a while, She took me to the police station, showed them the bruising and other wounds before taking me to the ER to be treated. This family member only received two weeks in jail, suspending all but two days, if I remember correctly. And he was released to be able to work and go right back to the cell after work. Now, this incident occurred in the early 80s. So if this was today with the same experience, the punishment would be very different abuse as a child? Well, okay, I'll share this one. I have several of those which most happened at church. I love the activities that went on in church, such as Sunday school and the night Sunday school, which was called YPWW, and that occurred in the Church of God in Christ. That's how I grew up. But the men were relentless at attempting to get what or who they wanted, not to mention These were all married men who were well thought of amongst the congregation and the community. By the time I reached 17, I was so freaking tired of being fondled and caught off guard that I started fighting again. Before I was physically abused by my family member at 15, I was always fighting the men off. To be very small, I was always able to fight and get my point across until the next one decided it was their turn to try. I grew up in an era where you did not speak out of your home or church for that matter. So I kept it to myself until I was in my mid to late thirties. Today, children are very encouraged to tell everything, and I'm glad they are. Being a child or teen, you feel so afraid that if you speak up against the incident, The adults are going to say you're lying or ask you, what did you do? Which happens in some of the cases with some friends I grew up with. One of my childhood girlfriends, I remember, ended up pregnant from her mother's boyfriend when we were just in middle school after attempting to get her mother to understand he was touching all over her while she was away at work. Parents, it is so important to listen to everything your children are saying to you. I realize that some of you experienced some of the same things yourselves and never received counseling for any of it. Now you're at a crossroad of what to do with the accusations made from your children and managing how it is triggering your memories and the pain from it all together. My suggestion is seek help. Get some mental health counseling for you and your children so you can work through these things together. Not being healed yourself can be the major hindrance in your child receiving the help they need because at that moment, you simply cannot think clearly on what to do. Having you in the child's corner means so much to them and helps their healing process accelerate. My mother did absolutely everything she did for my sisters and I to heal. She doesn't share our experience except for the fact she is our mother. She took us to counseling faithfully always had open discussions with us. Communication was very important to her as a single mother and still is to this day. I'm in my fifties. And if I haven't called by a certain time, she's definitely on the horn checking up on me. I'm so blessed to have a mother who loves her children so much and also a stepmother who accepts us as her own and checks up on us as well. On our mother's day edition, I'll share some of my fondest memories of both mothers and also from other women in my community who have become extended family members to me as mothers. I appreciate each of them because without them, my healing process would be so slow. I promise. Hopefully I have said something in this brief episode to help you be mindful of some things we are facing with our children in America. To all who share in helping our children heal from the nasty wounds, thank you ever so much. I really appreciate you. You are a great asset in this world, and it is very important after a life of any form of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. Let us know in the voice message on the Anchor app or by email at ProactiveEye at gmail.com some things you do to help you recover. We'd love to chit-chat with you and get your perspective on why these things are valuable to you. This includes the first installment of Child Abuse Awareness Month with Proactive Eye Podcast. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with us and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit our blog at bit.ly forward slash PEPodcastBlog. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash PEPodcastBlog. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at Proactive and also on Facebook, the handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit us again. And remember, healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family. Stay tuned next week as we discuss being alert of behaviors of child abuse victims.